We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. Hello? Hello? All right, thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. Chris, um, Chris is really humble there with the teaching cohort because there's a lot of um, great information, a lot of, it was a, such a blessing to be a part of that. I learned so much just diving into the Word with these, with these guys, and, uh, and I'm excited to be here today. You know, I've got to serve in a lot of ways uh, here at Missio, and this is the first time I've been able to come up here and preach to you, and so I'm really excited to, to be here. So thank you for that. Thank you for this opportunity. Appreciate it. And uh, so a lot of you know that uh, I, I make a lot of jokes. I, I, I joke around quite a bit. Um, no one more than my wife, dis- distractingly so. Um, but, I, but, I do, uh, but I do sometimes get nervous. You know, I do sometimes get upset. Sometimes I, uh, I get sad. You know, sometimes I cry. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, but sometimes I also, I also get embarrassed, you know, and there, I want to tell you about such a time that happened. Um, back when I first moved to Phoenix, um, I wasn't a, a registered nurse at that time. I moved to be part of a local um, nonprofit organization who was coming to uh, uh, providing for the needs happening around the world, a lot of relief and development work. Um, and I... Uh, and I got to see a lot of cool things, you know. I got to see the Lord provide for, for towns that were just devastated by the tsunami that happened after, um, in the early 2000s. You know, I got to see a lot of the, work with a lot of the leaders who were doing peace and reconciliation in, in Rwanda, um, even decades later after the, after the genocides there. And uh, I got to be a part of distributing um, medicines to help uh, deworm children who were who are having um, some uh, nutritional uh, medical issues there in, in sub-Saharan Africa. And so that was really cool. But a lot of the work I was doing with that, um, I was the, serving as uh, kind of an administrative assistant to uh, the president of uh, that local charity. But a lot of my day-to-day was uh, office work. You know, I sat behind a desk. Uh, I took a lot of notes. I made a lot of coffee. You know, <laughs> I, I helped out uh, around the office quite a bit. And uh, so I went to a lot of meetings and... Um, and one meeting I'll never forget, uh, it was one of the most, my most embarrassing uh, times, was I was sitting in this meeting, and my boss was giving an update to one of the departments, and so I had, a, I had a, uh, my, one of my, uh, my roommates there, one of the vice presidents was there, my boss was there, and uh, I said something I'll never forget. I said, uh, <laughs> I said uh, well, this is uh, suspific. And I said it again, I said, suspific. Uh, specific, and by that time, my my coworkers, uh, my roommates, started mouthing the words specific, <laughs> and I saw them do it, and so I tried again, specific, and one last time I said specific, <laughs> and then I stopped talking. People stopped looking me in the eye. I stopped looking people in the eye, and we were quiet. For what seemed to me like forever, I'm sure it was a few moments, but, uh, but I sat there in silence. And uh, the, the meeting continued, and my bo- you know, we had some question and answer time with the, with the group, and it was really good. But, uh, but I'll never forget it, because it stuck with me. Because what happened in that moment, it's funny, and it's, you know, I, I look back on it now and I laugh, but, uh, but I was not believing that what was going to come out of my mouth is what I wanted. I had lost hope in that moment. I had given up in that moment. And, uh, 
And I know in, in our lives and in your lives too, there's times where um, you just give up. You know, you think this is too much. You might run away. You might scream into a pillow, cry into a pillow. Um, and those moments happen. And today in Acts, we're going to be looking at such a time for a lot of people, a lot of people who went with Paul on this journey um, from Caesarea to Rome on a boat. They hit this huge storm that we're going to talk about. And a lot of them have given, had given up hope. They had lost hope that they were going to survive through it. And uh, what's cool about that is we get to see how God provides and he shows up through this, through this text. So it is a, it is a long text. Um, a lot of it, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to kind of summarize, but we're also going to look at some suspifics <laughs> as, as we move through it. But um, before we go that, I know Chris had already told us a little bit kind of where we're at in Acts. We're right at the end. We've got one, one week left to go. Um, and then we get to crack open the Advent calendars, which I'm excited about. Um, but uh, we have, uh, um, we want to kind of look at where we've been. So, you know, I'm up here kind of doing a new thing. So I'm going to really um, lean on you all to help uh, participate today. I know we don't always participate, but today we're going to participate. Um, last week, Chris talked through the, uh, the six symbols here. And uh, I'm just going to have you kind of participate as we walk through them. And if you're quiet, that's okay. Um, but I'd love to hear from you. So what's the, um, the down arrow they represent? Creation. Good, yeah. God coming where there's nothing and creating, you know, creating this world, creating us, um, creating uh, man and woman, saying it is very good, you know, and uh, creating everything out of nothing. And then, and then the X. Yeah, rebellion, the fall. Excellent, good, yeah. Uh, man and woman um, listening to the serpent, deciding for themselves that uh, what they thought, what they wanted was good and what God was saying was not in their best interest. And so man rebelled, didn't he? Um, that relationship was, was separated, was broken. And then the forward arrow? <coughs> Promise, yeah. And yeah, we start like, what's the forward arrow? Yeah, the promise, yeah. So God builds up um, his, uh, his people. You know, he uh, appoints Abraham to lead a nation that will, that will bless the world. And through, through him, there will be um, uh, a Messiah that will ultimately come and, um, and rescue his people. And so, and then we get to the cross. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Redemption, good, the cross, yeah. Um, uh, the promised Savior has come uh, to redeem his people, to usher in a new kingdom, a kingdom that looks different from any other kingdoms of the world at that time. Um, Jesus, to reconcile us to the Father, where that relationship was broken back in creation. Now we come through the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus to come to know, to be in that relationship um, again with the Father. And then where are we with the the forward arrow again? Yeah, the church. Yeah, these are the times we're living in, right? The times we've been learning about um, all year in Acts, if you can believe it. We've been in Acts since January, which is pretty cool. Um, we took some pauses there, but, uh, you know, all this year we've been learning about what that new church looks like, that emboldened um, church with the, the Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit living inside us now to preach the Word, so, um, to a people. And uh, I, wanted, I just wanted to really hit that because uh, as we walk through these scriptures, as we look at this difficult time um, that uh, Paul and uh, those traveling with him go through, 
I just want us to remember that this is God's story. This is God's story that he is telling since the beginning of time. And this is, uh, this is his story, his spirit that's working through um, the people and he's, and he's with them through it. All right, and so we look at, uh, we look at Paul. Um, Paul was a man who was uh, a Jewish Pharisee. Um, he, was, uh, he was about, um, really, he saw this, uh, this Christian um, uh, culture coming up, and um, as a Pharisee, he was uh, opposed to it. You know, he was, he was helping people murder Christians. He was going about murdering Christians. He wanted this to end, and then Jesus came to him. He came to him on, on this road to Emmaus. He came to him and blinded him, and he went uh, and saw this, this man named Ananias, and he got a sight back, and, and since then, he's been uh, proclaiming Christ in the world. He, uh, he'd grown up uh, hearing about God's um, power, and now he'd seen it through Jesus. He'd seen it in his own life, and, uh, and now the Holy Spirit has come on him to, to go out into uh, all the world to preach, to preach the gospel. So... Um, so I want, uh, I want us to think about that um, as we walk through. Let's, let's go ahead and turn to Acts now, because um, where we're at with this, Chris talked about it last week, was that uh, when Paul was going out, he made three big missionary trips uh, around the known world at that time. And, uh, and then towards the end of that, um, the, the Jewish leaders um, came, uh, came against him and then wanted him dead. And there's this huge uproar and um, the Roman officials didn't know what to do. So they arrested him and they put him before a lot of, uh, a lot of authorities. And we saw it last week. Chris used that picture of the, the big ant, you know, and how um, they, were, they had a lot of pomp. And, and, uh, but, uh, but Paul knew who was greater and that um, God had him on this, had this journey to preach the word uh, to the world. And uh, so um, thank you, Chris, for bringing that up. Um, we have the, the, uh, the big um, boat trip, the journey to Rome there we, we see up there. And we'll, we'll walk through that as we're walking through the scriptures. Um, but, uh, but again, um, King Agrippa II um, said, you know, he appealed to Caesar, so he gets to go to Caesar to testify, um, um, to defend himself um, to Caesar. And, uh, and so they're kind of passing the buck, and so they're like, okay, let's just, let's just send him to Rome, and uh, they'll deal with him there. And so that's where we kind of pick up here in Acts 27. Um, I'm just going to kind of summarize a little bit, but please turn, you can turn there in your Bibles as well. Um, they start off in Caesarea, and uh, he put, gets put under this, Rome, this Roman imperial guard. Uh, his name, uh, he's a centurion. His name is Julius. And Julius, as a centurion, was over, um, it says like 80 soldiers, but there's 20 support staff, so 100 people um, that Julius was in charge of there. And, and he was given a Paul as a prisoner, and there's other people, I'm sure other prisoners too, that we'll, we'll read about later. But he was also with Luke. Luke, who wrote this book, who wrote the book of Luke, uh, Acts, and Acts. And he was also with um, one of his fellow um, missionaries, Aristarchus, who we've learned about earlier um, when uh, Anthony was preaching. Aristarchus was with him in, in Ephesus there. And so um, he'd seen a lot of the mighty um, works that, uh, that had gone on um, through the power of the Holy Spirit um, in his journeys. And so uh, it was a really interesting trip. So they left on a boat um, from Caesarea, and they started sailing up the coast here. Um, and you can see it there on the far, the bottom right screen there. 
And they go to a place called Sidon. And uh, this was pretty cool. Uh, Julius, the centurion, um, showed some favor to Paul. And Paul actually got to go out into Sidon to be with uh, other believers. And, and they, it said that they like, took care of Paul there. You know, um, and, uh, and that was really cool because even at the beginning of this difficult trip, we could, also, we could start seeing God's grace come upon Paul as he, um, as he got to, to fellowship with believers there in Sidon. He didn't have to, you know, I'm sure there's other prisoners that on, on board that it wasn't, they weren't offered that, uh, that leniency to do that kind of thing. So that was really cool. So they leave on this, this boat trip from, uh, from Sidon, you know, Paul, his friends, prisoners, everyone traveling with, maybe some merchants too. It's a, it's a big group of people. And uh, they start um, sailing out from Sidon and they hit some bad weather. They hit some bad weather. Um, and actually, I've seen other maps here, too, where the weather was so bad that they kind of hooked around Cyprus, so I'm not sure exactly. Maybe this was the uh, intended, intended route there initially, but they, they hit some bad weather, kind of pushed back their timeline a bit, and uh, they reach, and that's, that's modern-day Turkey there up there where it says Asia and Pamphylia. They kind of sail around there. They get to, uh, they get to a town called My- Myra, and uh, in there they have to switch boats, um, so Julius, the centurion, secures uh, a bigger boat, this bo- boat that's from Alexandria, Egypt, that's hauling a bunch of grain and passengers. And that's the boat that uh, had plans to go all the way to Italy, like cross the Mediterranean. So they get on this boat, and they start sailing uh, westward again, and they hit some more bad weather. Um, so that's the second time. They hit some bad weather. They stop in a, in a town called... Uh, uh, Snidus, and, uh, and then um, from there, they, uh, they leave one more time, and they're, uh, this doesn't show it here, but the plan wasn't actually to go underneath that island there, that's Crete. The plan was to just shoot straight west, but the wind was pushing them and pushing them, so it pushed them down um, below Crete, and they landed at this, this town called this area called Fair Havens, where the, where the black dot is there. And uh, um, that's where we pick up here. Um, and, uh, and I just kind of want to pause here for a minute because, you know, we've seen this boat traveling on the, on the waters now and how the weather turned bad and turn, uh, turn, uh, has been really pushing back their timeline. And uh, I want to kind of take a look into the mind of Paul. And I'm going to have you help me too. We're actually going to turn to each other. I know we're kind of separate here. We're going to turn and talk to a few people here in, in Missio. Um, but I want to kind of look at who Paul knew as, um, as the one who had, who, who Paul knew God as the one who has authority over all, like over the waters, okay? Maybe you've seen that theme throughout the Bible, how God had control of the waters, maybe in the Old Testament, the New Testament with Jesus, um, so I want you to turn to a couple people, and maybe you can think of a couple stories where God had this authority over, uh, over creation, over the waters. Um, so go ahead and do that, and then we'll, we'll talk here in a minute. I want to hear your thoughts on that. All right, what have, what have you got? What did you, what did you come up with? Anybody have any? I heard a few things out there. Anything from the Old Testament or New Testament people thought of? 
Jonah, yeah, exactly, yeah. I think, I think we might have that verse up there, Jonah 1.15. I don't know if you can hop around. Yeah, Jonah was, was running away, right? He was running away from what God was calling him to. And uh, they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the, the raging sea grew calm. Yeah, didn't it? That's good. See God's power show up there, too. Anyone else? Go ahead, Steve. What's that? Oh, I, it's, I, don't, I didn't bring that one up. That's good. <laughs> yeah, who can find a little, the most obscure? <laughs> no, it's good. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. Uh, anyone else? Yeah, that's right. God's control over creation, separating the waters, creating land. That's good. A couple other ones I just want to show here was uh, uh, a common one we know, Exodus 14, 21, you know, God separates the Red Sea, allows the Israelites to go through dry land there, yeah. And then we also see, we can jump to Mark 4, 39, because I, I don't want to miss this either. You know, this is Jesus, you know, he was, uh, I think he was, was he taking a nap on the boat there? And his disciples woke him up and he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, be uh, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And, uh, and Paul had been traveling with Luke and he'd heard these stories too, you know. He'd been traveling with Luke. Luke has been kind of writing down the things that, uh, that has been happening to Paul. And so, you know, uh, he grew up, uh, Paul grew up hearing about, hearing the stories about God's power over water and, and hearing about how Jesus commanded the, the water and the waves. And so coming into this boat ride, he's like, you know, I'm on this boat, crazy storms happening, but, but God's got this. You know, if God wanted this, this uh, to end, he, he'd make it happen. So, so let's look at uh, uh, Acts verses 9 and 10 now. So it said after much time had been lost, uh, the sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. So Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. So this was, um, this was common knowledge at that time that the weather, um, the weather was getting bad. It says it was after the Day of Atonement. Uh, that's a big, big fast for the Jewish people. And that was like mid-October, early November. And everyone knew by that time the weather, weather was getting bad. You know, I'm, I'm from Illinois, and, uh, you know, I'm from a, so surrounded by seas of corn. And everyone knew the corn was supposed to be knee-high by the 4th of July. You know, that's just something we knew. And here, too, people knew. Um, I don't know what they would have said back then. Probably not in English, but, you know, we don't, after the fast, you know, don't sail with a mast. I don't, I don't know what they would be saying there. <laughs> but they knew... Um, it wasn't good, you know, and so pretty similar to us, you know, we know that in January, you're really not supposed to fly through maybe Denver, get a connecting flight through Denver because the weather is going to be bad, you know. You get a, you know, personal story, you get on a flight with Frontier, they say, whoops, sorry, fly, you know, it's canceled, no more flights for like three or four days, so, but, uh, but just a little flight tip, if you do go through Denver, you can do United or Southwest, get a day before, day or after, when they say the weather's bad, you say, okay, you know, you get on the next flight, get the free flight voucher. So that's a little flight tip, you know, you can go with. But, uh, but it, was, um, it was bad. Even though it was common knowledge, too, I believe that the Lord was speaking through Paul during this, 
uh, he was speaking um, through because, uh, the, you know, the warning was also to protect people, you know, protect people, um, his friends, those on, on board, um, the, the captain, Julius, um, you know, he, uh, I think the Lord was speaking through him to, to protect people, um, to let him know that this was not a great time to be, um, to be sailing. But we also look at, uh, uh, back in Acts um, 23, verse 11, and I want to show this. I know Chris had mentioned this last week, um, that the Lord actually talked to Paul, and he said, take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. So here's Paul on this boat, um, having that assurance that Christ had given him, that he will be testifying in Rome. And so I don't think uh, this warning that came from Paul was one that was trying to be like, guys, we need to stop sailing. So I survived through this. I think he was, um, I think the Lord was speaking to him so to, um, for the benefit of those um, sailing with him. Um, so we're going to look at, uh, um, go ahead and jump to uh, verse 11. We're going to hop back in verse 11 there. Okay. So now we're going to kind of look at how people responded to that warning. You know, we're going to look at, um, Three things, you know, people were responding to a, a different authority other than, other than God, the voice of God through Paul. We're going to look at how people were responding to um, the majority. So there's authority, majority, and I didn't have a rhyming word for the third, you know, so people were responding on listening to them, themselves at the time too. So this first one, verse 11, um, trusting in the authority um, other than God. It says, but the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, Follow the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. And, uh, you know, how, how often do we do, do that? You know, we, um, something bad happens in our lives, you know. Um, we're trying to make a decision, and we quickly might run to the Internet looking for information. Uh, we might run to um, some authority in some field that we're looking for. Um, and it's not, it's not necessarily bad, um, but I think the, the motivation was here was... Uh, you know, people were not seeking God in this time. Um, you know, we see way back in, in Genesis, you know, um, Adam and Eve had another voice that they listened to, right? They listened to um, the serpent who was telling them that, you know, maybe, maybe what God has for you isn't the best. Maybe you should make your own um, choice in this matter. So I think that's what was going on here. So often we'll just kind of listen to, to other people instead of seeking the will of the Lord um, first and foremost, um, and uh, this next one, uh, verse 12. So it says, since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix in winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. So that's pretty cool. I, that's pretty cool that they're uh, wintering in Phoenix. You know, we see some of the first snowbirds here. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but uh, there was some, uh, there was some logical benefit of going forward Towards, uh, uh, towards this new destination. And um, I just want to point out here that says the majority decided that we should sail on. And that's, you know, that's another voice we can listen to, right? We can listen to culture. We can listen to what's going on around us, um, what other people think is the best way to go with that, with um, when we face trials, when we face uh, hardships. And, uh, um, but uh, uh, again, I think... Uh, I think this, these passages, what God's trying to show us through them is that, um, that he's present with them, but still people can, can run out and um, seek uh, answers apart from, apart from God. 
uh, first. And uh, there's also, um, and, and the majority isn't always, um, isn't always the authority in these kind of matters too. You know, we see here in uh, Acts 23, uh, no, Acts 19, 23. You know, here we see back, uh, oh, is that Acts 19:23? Well, uh, this is where a big uh, group of people were, um, there was a big disturbance that, that Paul was making, and I think in Ephesus, and uh, a bunch of people came, and they're like, what's going on? We don't know what's going on. And so this, this big uh, crowd of people is there, and, and they don't know, they don't even know what's going on, and they're trying to speak into um, what should be going on in the, uh, in the culture. So sometimes people don't even, groups don't even know what's going on, but, uh, you know, the same with, uh, there was a group of people that wanted, that were crying out to crucify Jesus back then too. So um, just another example that we can look, look at. Um, and uh, so let's go ahead and go to verse uh, 16 through 19. And uh, we're going to take a pause in between those, uh, the first two and the last one here, because I wanted to, to look at this, this scripture. It says, as we passed the lee of a, a small island called Kata, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid that they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. So they did a lot, like trying to get themselves from, uh, from Crete um, to Italy. They were doing all these, these um, different things on board um, to help secure the board and uh, secure the boat. And uh, I don't think this is necessarily trying to teach us as a group how we need to navigate um, how to sail in, on an Alexandrian ship, um, but uh, they do kind of show us how, how they've gone to extreme lengths to save themselves. Um, and uh, let's see... Uh, And so let's go ahead and go down to verse 30. We're going to skip 20. Or no, let's go to verse 20. I'm sorry. Yeah, it continues there. They, they do more to try to save the boat. But neither the sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. So that's that point of hopelessness that they, that they reached, that they got to. Um, so let's hop back in uh, verse 23, or verse uh, 30. Oh, you don't have verse 30. That's okay. I'll read it here. Verse 30 says, uh, And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the boat, so they were trying to escape. They were trying to um, save themselves. Um, and, uh, and they were looking to themselves to, to be a solution, to, be the, um, to save them from this, this predicament they're, they're in. And they're putting trust in some them, themselves. And I just want to be sensitive because there's a lot of situations that, we can, that people can get in that are, that are abusive, that are um, bad situations. And we need to listen to that. Um, we need to seek advice on, on maybe how to get out of those. But, uh, um, but in this case, um, God had given them specific instructions that they were going to stay on the ship and that would be for their best to, to save them. 
And uh, we see that in verse 23 and 24. Because an angel came to Paul, it said, Last night an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So he had promised, and they had, he had promised them safety if they all, they all stayed um, with Paul on this boat. And, uh, and then we, we'll jump to verse 34 and 36. And so uh, also um, we read here that, now I urge you to take some food. This is Paul talking to those on the ship. You needed to survive. Um, not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God. We're, we're going to wind down here. <laughs> um, then he broke it and began to eat. They're all encouraged and ate some food themselves. So they'd been traveling for 14 days. Um, their ship is falling apart. Um, they hadn't eaten, and uh, they had lost all hope. They couldn't even see the stars to guide them. And here's Paul, um, knowing that, uh, that, the, that the ship here is going to fall apart here or, or break, but that people will... People will survive. God will take them through um, these, uh, terrible, this terrible storm. And he, so he's stopping to pause to give thanks to God and inviting people into that space with him. Um, and then let's look at verses 42 and 43. So... Um, so they ran aground. They finally make it to Italy. They, they run aground. They do some more things. They drop some anchors, but the ship is just battered apart. And then, um, and then they decide that some of them are going to swim to shore. Some of them are going to ride planks to shore. And this is where the soldiers plan to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. So... We see here that the centurion is starting, is listening to Paul now. He's, um, he's seen a change. He's, um, instead of listening to the owner of the ship, he's listening to Paul and he's wanting to save his life um, because he sees that God has, has saved them through this just as Paul had, had said he would. And uh, that's all right. And so let's look at Ephesians 2, 3 through 7. So we look at Ephesians, it says, all of us who lived once among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were nature-deserving um, wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you are saved. And then God raised us up in Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So in this story, um, God was rescuing people from death and he was drawing people to him um, through the words of Paul. Um, and, uh, and then we see here in Ephesians that uh, this is the story that we're invited into, a story where um, we are saved. Uh, we are also saved from death. We are saved from a life apart from God as we were separated in creation. 
Christ is bringing us back and, and saving us through that. And uh, so we'll, so uh, we've looked at, uh, maybe some of this will sound familiar, we've looked at who, who is God, we've looked at, uh, you know, who are we in the story, how do we um, relate to those, those passengers on the boat there as we go through um, these difficulties, uh, you know, um, do we initially trust in, in God, do we, do we run to the arms of Jesus, because um, I know oftentimes, like, um, you know, I fear, I worry, and uh, my heart can wander towards these other things first, towards getting information, towards um, trying to save myself. And, uh, but we see here that God is, walk, is with people on this journey. So what, what can we do? You know, we can uh, repent and turn and listen to the voice of God, just as Julius was doing, you know, not perfectly, but, but faithfully. And then we can also care for others like, like Paul does, um, you know, as, uh, as he's feeding them. Um, we too can feed those who, um, who need to see God's provision through that. And then we can turn to God um, during difficulties. Um, and then we'll look at Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Uh, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your, your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And uh, what I want you to hear this morning is not that uh, there's a list of things that we are to do or not to, to do. There's a formula that we, we must follow if, uh, when we face trials. But we see right before that, I don't know if you can see it kind of still kind of grayed out, but it says the Lord is near in that uh, his presence in our lives, the spirit living with us allows us to do these things, to draw near to him, to trust in him when things um, don't go to our plans. Um, thank you. And, uh, and, and when we lose hope, when we, when we can't see the stars, when we're uh, floating around on this, this sea um, without direction, um, because that's not the end of the story, as we see the down arrow here. That one day Christ will return. One day uh, he will um, pass us through these chaotic waters. As we see this boat has broken apart, his body has broken uh, for us um, to guide us through these waters, to guide us to, to land that he has prepared for us. Um, so we're going to transition to a time of communion in which we remember that. We remember that Christ died, his body was broken for us, and he, he was raised from the dead.